0: yesterday being canada day i'm stoked to announce our first canadian guest rosie gabrielle rosie is a solo female motorcyclist who has been trying to inspire the world through her youtube channel i can't say i've ever been on a motorcycle not that i recall but i recently was in thailand and i was in a sidecar it was a homemade welded together box it's a very odd situation but all of the thai people found it very funny that a giant white man was riding around in the sidecar of what was probably a dirt bike. Here is my interview with Rosie, and I hope you enjoy it. All right, so I'd like to welcome to the podcast, Rosie Gabrielle. Hi, Rosie.
1: Hey, how's it going?
0: Great, how are you?
1: Not too bad. Um.
0: So I want to start at the beginning. Take me back to your first motorcycle trip.
1: My very first motorcycle trip, I was 19 and uh, I wasn't uh, anticipating getting on two wheels. In fact, I'd never ridden a motorcycle before in my life, um, but I had taken a back trap, uh, back, <laughs> backpacking trip to Southeast Asia and I just wasn't happy taking a bus from point A to point B and kind of missing everything in between. To me personally that I just wasn't getting the full adventure out of it and so I had rented a um just a 125 cc uh, motorcycle motor bike semi-scooter type thing uh for the weekend and did a trip and I was absolutely sold and I said this is how I have to do my trip and so without any knowledge of previously about doing motorcycle travel or this kind of travel before I just kind of hopped into it, and I bought my first bike when I was in Chiang Mai. And then I continued, uh, I ended up doing 12,000 kilometers, and I rode uh, across Thailand, Laos, Vietnam, and Cambodia. And that was over the course of six months. I just sort of took my time and really explored and had a good time.
0: Um, so how much has, have things changed since that first trip to now that you've been doing this for quite a while?
1: Did- oh... A lot. I mean, back in the day, (laughs) we didn't have these fancy phones, Um, so it was only paper map back then. Um, I still like to use paper maps nowadays, because GPS doesn't always work, and it's kind of fun to not have GPS, because then you can just pull over and ask locals where you're going and such. But then, if you're really out there, then they've never even seen a map before, and they're just so excited, and they'll just give you any answer and just send you off in a direction, you know. Um, but yeah, so didn't have any form of GPS back then. And any, I mean, back then I wasn't even filming or anything. There was no, I was just purely in the adventure and I didn't care about anything. I still don't really care about anything, but like I did that trip in in sandals and shorts the entire trip. And I had nine accidents. And I still don't wear <laughs> gear.
0: Were any of the accidents bad?
1: Um, most of them were in Laos. And it's like if you've never ridden a motorbike before and suddenly like you've never had any formal teachings or what to do in this scenario or that scenario, and you kind of just learn by trial and error which is what I did that's exactly what happened so you know I would just basically take corners too fast or it was just general road conditions where you'd be going along suddenly it was fine and then next thing you know there's a two-foot pothole and you go flying off your bike um and Vietnam I got hit twice because there are 10 million other motorbikes on the roads, so all going in every direction. And of course, because I was wearing sandals, <laughs> when the bikes hit me, uh, their foot pegs jammed into my feet. So I cracked one foot or uh, broke a foot and cracked an ankle. And Ooh. then I had to ride the rest of Vietnam and Cambodia in a half leg cast, which was interesting.
0: <laughs> oh, that sounds rather interesting. Yeah, um, I've seen. I've been to Thailand a bunch, and I've seen the tourists with like the road rash and things like oh, that. Yeah. I, I kind of, I kind of assume that's that's what it's like to learn how to ride, right? Yeah, you just, you just happen to be on the road the next time. Yeah, yeah. Much. Mm, okay, okay. Um, so on your last trip, you were in. You were. Where did you go? North Carolina is that where I saw?
1: Yeah. Last week I was in North Carolina
0: how does so how does doing a trip in the states and Canada differ from Southeast Asia or Oman or South africa
1: um, people are a lot more friendlier overseas <laughs> uh, I hate to admit it, even us Canadians who are considered like the nicest people in the world uh they are. I find that a lot of people, and I don't know if it's because I'm a foreigner, has something to do with it, and people are just so inquisitive and like, oh, that that person's really different. But uh, people generally are not fearful, where there's so much fear kind of in our culture over here, like, like oh, don't trust strangers, or that you don't know where that person comes from, or... Um, you know these sort of things because I remember when I did a trip, um, and don't get me wrong, people are definitely friendly in Canada and the U.S., but I just found they're more welcoming and more hospitable uh, overseas. Okay. Just because there's this, there's not this barrier of, I guess, I don't know what it is.
0: <laughs> all right, all right. So you ultimately say people are more hospitable there uh, abroad, um, do they, do people put you up for the night? Do people invite you in for food? Like,
1: absolutely. Yeah. People are just so excited to see me and, um, yeah, invite me in. I've, um, you know, I've sleep in their homes they they let me use their shower they feed me they give me more food than they probably could um, afford or you know that they that they could use for themselves they're giving it to me but this is just their way they're just so giving
0: yeah I, that would be such a wonderful thing to experience even if mm-hmm. it was just even if it was just in our own backyard mm-hmm. um, okay so when you travel, abroad, you obviously don't take your own motorcycle with you. How do you go about... Do you do you rent a motorcycle? Do you loan a motorcycle?
1: Um, it kind of differs for every trip that I've been on. Um, no, I've never taken my, my own bikes overseas. Um, I just sort of either borrow them from people or the one that I had in Africa was just this fellow who um, he had ridden from Zanzibar to Cape Town and basically he just needed his bike returned back to Zanzibar for him. So I was kind of doing him a favor of returning his bike for him. Unfortunately, that story didn't end so well. <laughs> um, and then now, because I've built up um, the social presence uh, from my North Carolina trip uh, for example, um, I just, I contacted, I wasn't even meant to be riding there, but I was going there for a personal conference and people were telling me how amazing the roads were there and I had never heard anything about North Carolina or the roads there so I kind of looked into it and was like oh my goodness I have to ride a bike there so I just contacted a local motorcycle company which was Asheville Motorcycle Rentals and um, they They were more than willing to do a collaboration with me. So basically I just include them in my content and I, uh, you know, I try and promote their company in exchange for a bike for the week. So, and that trip, I got to try the BMW 800 GS, which was really really nice. It was my first time riding that one.
0: Very nice. Um, Take me back to this Zanzibar trip that you said didn't end so well.
1: Mm -hmm. What happened? What happened? So when I got there, upon my initial reaction of seeing the bike, I was just like, "Oh, you've got to be kidding me!" <laughs> but the owner assured me that the bike was in perfect condition. Like he rode it down with like absolutely no issue. And but it it looked it looked a little iffy. And but the mechanics there as well, they were. Yamaha Mechanics, they also um, told me that the bike was perfectly fine to cross Africa. So putting my trust in these professionals that had the bike for a couple weeks and had, you know, looked it over, I said, make sure you go through this entire bike and make sure everything's okay because I'm crossing Africa. They're like, yeah, 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 it's fine. And then little by little, the bike just started falling apart and... Um, Basically, I guess because it sat corroding by the sea air in Zanzibar for seven years, everything was just rotting from the inside out and completely falling apart. Um, My whole electrical system went, my shock went, my forks went, uh, my cooling pipes, everything just rotted off my brakes. I had to ride the entire last 1,500 kilometers with no front brakes up and down hills in the mountains. And when I pulled into Johannesburg, which was the other side of South Africa, I had done 6,000 kilometers at this point, uh, the whole bike just shut down. Like, as I'm entering the city, and I had to get hauled up by the people who were taking me in, they came and picked me up. And the mechanic there basically said, he would not let me leave the country with this thing unless he rebuilt it from the bottom up like this thing was a hunk of junk so it was kind of good because South Africa is a very um, advanced country and the fact that they have well they have mechanics they're not uh, from my experience they weren't the best mechanics but they still had people who could Fix things, and they had parts and everything like that. Whereas, if you're in the middle of Africa, you people aren't going to have the parts or the tools to fix that sort of stuff. So, I was really lucky that all the problems happened while I was still in South Africa.
0: Yeah, that's very lucky. So you end, so your Africa trip ended in Johannesburg, huh?
1: yeah so unfortunately i had this big dream to do a little nine country loop up and around um, to zanzibar which was a little ambitious for the kind of lack of time that i had to do it but i was uh, fully willing to do it and yeah that didn't exactly go well so in the end i just i left the bike there And the owner has, he's been paying me back for all of the parts that I had to fix. And I don't know if he's actually going to ship the bike back to Zanzibar or he's given up on it. I don't know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Do you, uh, do you intend on going back to Africa?
1: Uh, I did. Uh, I actually very luckily had a company offer to give me a bike to continue to do my trip which was amazing um, unfortunately after my Africa trip my health kind of plummeted so I've been taking care of that and that's been exactly a year now since I've been back and things still aren't better so I don't want to throw myself into a situation where um, my health is going to be compromised
0: it's understandable mm. um, so let's talk about Oman mm-hmm. I'm Infinitely curious and completely oblivious to anything that happens in Oman. Um, I read that you lived there for some time,
1: yeah, I lived there for nine years.
0: um, and you do you speak do you speak the local language?
1: Uh, I speak very little bit of Arabic. I should know more for the amount of time that I actually spent there, but uh, In people in the city, they don't speak Arabic, so there's no actual need to. I made a point to learn a little bit of the dialect just to show my respect and integrate myself in the community a bit. And when I was working there, 99% of my clients were Omani, but they were all um, English-speaking. But it proved very resourceful when I was traveling around the country to know a little bit, even though it was broken.
0: (laughs) Um, and what is it, what is it like riding there? Is it lots of, I, like I said, I know nothing. Is it lots of desert and dirt roads? Is it,
1: uh, you kind of get a mix there. There's a lot of barren land. So, um, I've now done 13,000 kilometers around the country. Um, and, uh, It varies. Um, They have beautiful coastal roads, really windy, twisty, beautiful roads. Um, They have intense off-road, like some of the most intense roads that I've ridden. Um, Beautiful mountainscapes, and you won't find anyone there. Like just gorgeous, constant switchbacks, like endless beautiful views. And um, it's just one of the lands that is not very... um, there's not a lot of tourists there right now because it's not very well known for mm-hmm. a tourist destination, so it's still very untouched, which is really nice, uh, and the people are ridiculously friendly, like just so welcoming and amazing and um yeah, and but there is a lot of barren land, so this last trip in uh, January when I went down on the Suzuki. Uh, I went down to the south of Oman, and I was doing almost close to a thousand kilometers of straight desert road. Like there's nothing but sand on either side of you for a thousand kilometers. Holy cow! Yeah, so that gets pretty boring.
0: <laughs> How does that? <laughs> but... Go ahead.
1: Oh, I was just saying, but but the uh, reward once you get to the other side is well worth it. So.
0: Okay. Um, how does that work, like stopping for food and needing gas and things like that if you're on just a straight desert road? Is it? Are there towns and things like that?
1: They're not even really towns. I mean, they, they are towns, but basically it's some shacks at the side of the road. They do have uh, small little petrol stations. Okay. Um, uh, across this desert but I did bring an extra fuel cell just in case but I didn't actually need it there was enough stations and kind of spread out a couple hundred kilometers apart that uh, I was safe so it uh, wasn't a worry excellent mm, very cool
0: um so of all the places that you've rode which would you say is your favorite
1: I don't really have a favorite uh you just... each... Each one is so unique in its own and it's not necessarily um, about the place itself, it's sort of what I've experienced in that place, whether it be interactions with other people or um, just overall experiences that I've had on that particular adventure is what kind of makes it and there's no one adventure that I like more than the other, it's just it's like trying to choose your favorite child. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, I've seen that you've done some traveling with your dog.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: How is that? Uh, how does that differ from when you're by yourself? Is it more difficult having a pet with you?
1: Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Winston is my first uh, priority. And obviously, I'm always um, concerned if he's not enjoying himself or if, if it's a bit too much for him. And the weather is a huge consideration because whereas I don't mind riding in 40, 45 Celsius weather, you know, mm-hmm. sweat my ass off, uh, it's difficult for him. And um like he's really he's quite sensitive to the heat so i would have to stop a lot for him i would have to make sure he's hydrated and um that he's okay also he doesn't like i know i it was the first time this winter that i traveled with him outside of north america and he got really um scared and nervous of the people because and I, i i was unsure how that people would react to him because typically um, my experience in the past a lot of Muslim people are scared of dogs like even teddy bear sized dogs they will run screaming but it's just because of this fear that has been kind of um, instilled in them from their parents okay and so they don't know why they're afraid of dogs they just are and so um, I was unsure how they would react on this trip but I guess it must be the doggles or, or something like here when we were riding everyone was just so happy and so excited to see him and everyone wanted to touch him but unlike um, you know if, if people are aware of how to approach a dog um, you do it a specific way but they were just so excited they would kind of like go out to touch him but in a very fast erratic way and it was kind of uh, it made him really nervous so after that he got really anxious. Um, so I was, I was hoping that I could travel more with him to these sort of countries but I think but the anxiousness paired with the hot climate it's just not it's not going to happen as much as I would hope. Cool. Okay mm-hmm. okay.
0: Um, I feel like having your pet would be, also be it would also cure some sort of loneliness that you'd get on the road.
1: Yeah, um I don't actually get lonely on the road. Um I mean it is it is great to have him as a companion. I mean I much rather him than another human. <laughs> is that bad? I don't yeah. No, it's I, not I swear bad. like I swear I like people but I like my dog more. <laughs> uh, uh no and I absolutely he's my bestest little friend. I love traveling with him. Um it's really great. But it's It doesn't make a difference. Um, I'm quite happy traveling by myself because I'm so connected to the actual adventure and to nature and to those that I meet around me that I never... People always ask me, oh, why do you travel alone? I actually prefer traveling alone and um, I never really get lonely. It's not until I go to a place that's full of people, then I suddenly get lonely. Weird.
0: That's kind of strange
1: yeah because i think you realize like once you're in a crowd of people and you see everyone like talking with each other and everyone's like good friends and then it's like oh oh i don't have that so i don't know it's like plays on the psyche a bit i don't know (laughs) interesting
0: yeah i've had i've had that traveling alone before where i kind of get lonely after a month and a half of being on my own but there's always Mm -hmm. people around and Mm -hmm. it it slowly gets it slowly goes away but Mm -hmm. i never thought of it what being around people actually might cause might actually cause it
1: yeah when like when i'm in the city or if i happen to go stay at a hostel that's when i feel alone because suddenly i'm surrounded by all these people that i can't connect to or that i'm just not connected to Mm -hmm. and then i feel the loneliness then but when i'm Camping on my own in nature, I just I feel so at peace and so comfortable, and um, yeah, I'm fine.
0: <laughs> Sounds great. Yeah. Um, is that is that how you spend most of your nights while you're on your trips? Do you can't you camp? Do you stay in hostels majority?
1: Uh, most of the time, I camp, and I prefer to wild camp. I think it's absolutely crazy to pay to pitch your tent somewhere. I just don't understand. Uh, <laughs> Well, I mean, I understand. I mean, they keep the facilities nice and everything, and someone has to pay them, so of course you have to pay, but I just don't feel I should pay to pitch my tent somewhere. Um, So I often, I do, I wild camp, and I just kind of, I don't pre-plan where I'm going to stay. I just, when it starts to get dark, I just look for a place. Unless the weather is really bad, then I will try to find the cheapest accommodations I can and or my always first resort is just to either ask uh, if, like I'll go online and if anyone knows anyone in that area I'll stay there or I just happen to run into somebody on the road and I just ask if I can stay with them and it all usually works out. Okay. All right.
0: Um, So that leads me to my next question. How do you budget for a trip like this, like any of your trips?
1: Uh, it's, it's just, it's cheap. It's cheaper than living. I I always have to laugh to myself when people ask me this question. And I understand, like, people have this idea that it's so expensive to travel. And obviously it's not, um, inexpensive. It does take some money, but living in the city or living period, um, anywhere costs money. Where Whether it's rent or, you know... Uh, buying groceries to make big meals or going out and having a social life with your friends, like, most people I know if they go out for the weekend, they're spending how much in food and drinks Yep. and that money could spend three weeks of me traveling you know, it just it's what, what do you prioritize and what do you want to spend your money on so I saved up my money whenever I do get a chance to make some and then I just I, I mean, I spend so minimally on the road. The only thing I'm really paying for is petrol because I usually, I often stay for free. Uh, I eat very minimally on the road. So I usually have some fruit for breakfast, um, vegetables at a local market for lunch and maybe a can of soup for dinner. Um, you know, and that's, not even five bucks for a day. Yeah. So whereas at home I get bored. I want munchies. I get this, you know, I just, I buy stuff I don't need.
0: <laughs> yeah. it it, sound, that- it sounds so much different than the family planning a trip to Europe and, seeing all yeah. the sites and staying in hotels
1: exactly and not everyone can travel the way i do like i don't care if i don't shower for a week whereas that would bother a lot of people i don't need to impress anyone um uh, <laughs> baby wax will do so and a lot of people can't camp every night or kind of or like guys certainly couldn't have the diet that i have on the road so um yeah it's just not not good I, I don't spend a lot when I'm tra- I actually save money when I'm traveling. Okay. Yeah,
0: yeah it's I, I, I tend to get asked that question by people a lot. And I just I just don't ever budget. I just wing it when I travel. And I don't mm-hmm. I don't necessarily I always take public transit and I take the cheap train and I always mm-hmm. do do things like that. And people look at me like I'm insane. I can't imagine some of the looks that you would get explaining this to the people I've talked to.
1: Hmm. Yeah, it's just a whole different mindset. And not everyone can think that way. Same with like kind of the planning on the go. People are like, well, how do you do it? I'm like, I just like to me, it just seems normal. Like, to me to plan where I'm going to stay every night, that makes me anxious. You know, I, I like to be able to take that road if I want or stop here or stop there without um you know having to be somewhere at a specific time so i literally just the sun's going down i look for a place to stay when i was in north carolina actually i ended up sleeping in a apple orchard there <laughs> <laughs> one of the nights so i was just like okay this this looks like a nice plot of land i'll get a good sunset here can't beat that
0: that's that's all you can ask for yeah so I guess that that answered one of my one of the other questions I had is how much do you actually plan for your trips?
1: <laughs> Nothing in fact, I'm the world's worst planner uh I have and it's weird for all the traveling that I do. I am the world's worst uh I have absolutely no concept of time or distance which kind of bites me in the ass a lot of times because I was like oh yeah 500 kilometers or 300 miles to get here to there I can do that easily in a day meanwhile it's like all off-road twisty windy roads and it's just yeah, you know, I I don't really yeah look too much into my trips I just kind of go and but that's about the adventure of it too if you spend all your time planning it's, I mean, that's good. That works for some people. It just doesn't work for me because you can plan all you want. And most often things are going to change. So I just go by the seat of my pants and I take recommendations from locals on the way of what to do and where to go and whatnot. And yeah, that's sort of how I do it.
0: It's great. I, I, I wish I could be more like that. I try and fly by the seat of my pants as possible, as much as mm. possible, but
1: some people are just planners i mean i do i do envy that a bit because it would be nice to have some sort of like uh structure mm -hmm. (laughs) but i'm not no i can't do it
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's that's all right um okay so a little less about the travel and a little more about canada do you uh do you get involved in like the local riding scene, do you do you ride with like a, a group or anything like that? Is it, <laughs> is it or is it just a solo all you
1: I, 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 I don't like groups <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm I'm very anti group, actually. I get asked all the time for people to ride with me, and I, it's a lovely thought, but I know I just don't enjoy it. I tried for the very first time. I think it was a couple of years ago now. I did do, I joined, it was the very first time joining a group here. It was the International Female Ride Day. And I met a lot of incredible women uh, in Vancouver who ride. And I did a group ride with them. It was nice.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, you sound so met, enthusiastic about of, it. Yeah,
1: I met a lot of really nice girls a lot of nice women um but to actually enjoy a group ride i don't enjoy it because oh. i can't exactly like i just i'm too i'm too much of a free bird i can't go where i want or do the speed i want and i don't like this group mentality it's a little uh, weird for me i don't know okay All i'm right. i'm i'm the weirdo actually like it's just me i'm the weird oddball
0: <laughs> no way you're you're you very much like your time and by yourself i get it I definitely understand that. Um Okay, well then that answers literally every other question I had.
1: <laughs> oh,
0: no sorry. Um, no, 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 It's fine. There's uh I have some friends who when I first started doing this, they had like they had turned me on to you and like your YouTube and everything and they'd kinda send me a couple questions and one of them was about uh, the leaders and this and that and you literally uh-huh. were just like, Nope, that's everything. <laughs>
1: Uh, well, yeah, I I have a few um wonderful women from the Litas following me. They seem like an awesome group. Um, I just, yeah, I don't know what it is. Even when I was little, I don't know, maybe it's because I'm an only child. I just, I've never liked group activities. It's, uh, yeah, I don't know. But, I mean, it would be really nice to meet up with them one day or something like that. <laughs> so
0: it's something that you would you would do. Maybe. Um
1: maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but yeah, like cuz they have all these I don't know who puts it on, it's not the leaders. They have like babe dried out and all these Yeah, things. that
0: was that was another one that they had mentioned.
1: Yeah, it's just not my scene. Like I I don't know. Yeah, it seems wonderful. But it's just not my my thing. Sure,
0: yeah. solo for life. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I totally understand it.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. Okay, so about your YouTube. Yeah. Um how fa- how long had you been doing these bike trips before you started actually documenting them?
1: Um. So I've been doing lots of bike trips, but it was in the last four years. Uh, I met a fellow named Alex Jacone, and you might recognize the name. Uh, He did the epic 360 selfie. He rode from Argentina to Alaska and did a big video vlog series. He's pretty big on YouTube. Okay. Uh, Anyways, um... Was traveling with him for a bit and filming his videos and taking his photos and whatnot and uh, we did a whole bunch of trips and then um, we were together uh, and then we split up and then afterwards I thought you know I want to make my own YouTube videos now Um, I think I felt that I had a lot to offer the world and to say so I started but the, the thing was, is I was so deathly afraid of speaking in front of the camera, like ridiculously afraid. You would never catch me speaking on camera ever. In fact, I used to be a singer on stage, and I can sing no problem on stage, but for me to talk in a microphone, I would start talking backwards and tripping over my tongue, blah, 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 like could not do it. And so that was a real challenge for me, and I thought, oh, there's no way this is ever going to happen. And I had a friend of mine tell me like, okay, if you start making these videos, I will edit them for you. Like, come on, you can do this. And so that gave me a little fire under my butt and thought, okay, I have, okay, maybe I can do it. So I did a couple of trips, but I didn't like vlog as much as I could have. And I I was so new to it all. And it was kind of like sparsed uh, clips here and there. Um... And so I did uh, two trips, and then it wasn't until my uh the k l r series that I did, which was my first series I released. um then I kind of got serious about it. I was like, you know what i'm I'm gonna do this and so I put my big girl pants on, and I was dead serious to really create something. um I had a vision uh for my channel and for this whole kind of platform that I'm building and so yeah so I started I guess Mm -hmm. I started filming three years ago but I only started uh, uploading my my channels only just over a year old okay yeah
0: um is your is your friend editing your videos or are you doing them no
1: so that that friend never followed through with his promises (laughs) which (laughs) is why it took me so long because i was so afraid suddenly he just fell off the face of the earth and i was so afraid uh to edit because i'd never done a video editing in my life and i do not like electronics i do not like technology it's freaks the crap out of me and so it was this overwhelming task for me to think like oh my gosh I now have to edit my own videos and so that's why it took me almost two years no let's say a year, about a year and a half to start actually editing because I was so scared and then finally eventually I had to start because now I've got all this footage and what am I gonna do with it yeah and It's like I use Adobe Premiere Pro, which is the most, I guess, uh, intricate tech, uh, high-tech program for video editing, one of them from what I know. it's a lot more advanced than Windows or Mac Movie Maker, for example. Yeah. Um, but I did a couple of YouTube videos, and I think in a few days, I was editing videos. And it was so easy, and I enjoyed it so much. I was like, why the heck did I not start a year ago? <laughs> um, <laughs> and, I mean, it's, it's been a huge learning curve, obviously. My first few videos had major audio issues, and... Whatever, but it's like anything you just kind of learn along the way. And because I am all self-taught, there's going to be a few
0: bumps. Speed you know, bumps. Okay? Yes. Yeah. How how long does it usually take you to edit one of your videos?
1: Uh, it's a lot quicker now. Uh, it's quite difficult, though, because the issue that I'm having now is I'm editing videos from over a year ago. And back then when I was making videos, it was still very... Like, I didn't have a direct vision, I did, but um, the way I film is quite in-depth, and um, but there was like pieces missing here and there, and it was this whole South Africa story, and uh, yeah, it just like, I was, I could not be bothered to film a lot, so there's a lot of gaps, and so to try and piece it together this is now taking a few days to edit one video whereas other, um, now that I'm filming videos I can piece something together in a day easy.
0: Okay, that's not Mm -hmm. so bad then.
1: It's not but I mean the last video I released was three weeks ago (laughs) but it's just it's oh it's like it's finding the time, like especially when I'm on the road. When I was in North Carolina, there's no way I have the time or energy to stop and edit. So then I just get even more and more behind.
0: How uh, how many videos are you, do you try and put out? Like, say, a week?
1: Oh, gosh. Uh,
0: or, or would you like to is a better question.
1: I would like to put out two a week. Before okay. I went away, I actually put out three a week. I was like, hot damn. And I thought I was going to kind of continue on that, but everything... In my life is just a big roller coaster, so there's not really any consistency, <laughs> okay. but ideally I'd like twice a week, um, and plus because I have so much content to catch up on, I probably have around 30 episodes, 30 or 40 episodes for South Africa alone. After I finished South Africa, I traveled a bunch, and so I probably have another 30 episodes of... Videos.
0: Oh wow, from that is a all lot.
1: My yeah, so I have a lot to catch up on, and I think, yeah, it's just a little overwhelming. <laughs>
0: um, have you ever had somebody go with you to help you film, or is that nope. it, just you one hundred percent solo all the time? Yep. Got it. And
1: I am a pain in my own ass. <laughs> I am quite the perfectionist, so I don't do anything mediocre. I have to. Uh, set up three tripods and (laughs) get this angle and capture that and (laughs) yeah it's that's another reason why i don't travel with anyone because they just wouldn't put up with me (laughs) i mean
0: you like you like what you like yeah i understand that um well that that being said then uh do you think documenting these trips the way that you do does it take you out of the moment
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, I've had to find a real balance with that Um, and, you know, only film, because before I would film everything and I was like, hey, no, 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 you're kind of missing the point of it all and you're not in the moment. I mean, I still am to a degree, but if you're always thinking about, oh, what's the best camera angle or how am I going to capture this, then it's kind of occupying your brain and you're not in the moment, but that too is also... The moment is just uh, in a different way. Um, But yeah, it does take you out of the moment. I won't always film like this. Uh, It's only kind of to build my channel. And then I have some ideas for the future for smaller series that I want to work on. But it's not going to be like this. (laughs) Okay. Mm -hmm.
0: Very cool. Um, So then back to... Uh, away from the YouTube and what advice would you have for people who think travel is too dangerous to places like this and people who are afraid to kind of leave their comfort zone
1: Um, I totally get being afraid to leave Um, there's a lot of fear that's put into us from the media from our families um, even from our own selves Um, and just being comfortable where we are Um, but first off don't believe anything the media says or the news because it's all bollocks Um, you know you go to these places and like the places I've traveled the Middle East for example where people say oh Muslims are bad or don't go to Africa you're going to be raped and killed and you know South Africa is the most dangerous country in the world blah 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 and, yeah, sure, things happen and uh, things happen everywhere. Things happen in Canada. Things happen f- – <laughs> look at the U.S. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I, I'm actually more scared to travel in the U.S. than I am anywhere else in the world, and that is a fact.
0: That honestly is not surprising. I'm kind of afraid of my own backyard some days.
1: Yeah. I mean, all the anger, the the people who are just angry there, and everyone has access to a gun, and it's just like, what – uh, yeah, I won't get on that topic because <laughs> I did that once on my channel and I... yeah, I just don't want to start that debate. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anyways, um, yeah, I mean, I've been to these places and you go out and honestly, I mean, especially as a single female, people just want to take care of you. They see you and they just want to look after you and feed you and make sure that everything's alright. And they're just so curious and... Um, People, yeah, they just want to be with you, and they're just so proud of their own country that they just want to show you the best hospitality. And they're just just such amazing people all over the world. And this is the thing that, you know, you don't really see that's not really put out there to the public are these experiences. And, um... You only actually get that once you go out there yourself and you realize wow this is incredible and it really reinstates your faith in humanity and people and the world and it's um really cool and like for example well about not letting fear kind of take over on my north carolina trip before i went suddenly it was like oh tropical storm coming in floods everywhere landslides like all over the news it seemed like the entire state was in a like a state of panic like massive emergency like that's what it kind of made it seem kind of blew it out of proportion and i even had a friend of mine say she was in boone which was where i was headed She said, don't come up here on motorcycle it's way too dangerous and you can't do that And trying to scare me. And I thought, oh gosh, maybe I shouldn't. Like, is my whole trip going to be ruined? And I got there. And yeah, there was rains the week before. But, like, not to the real extent that they were saying. And I got there and it was completely sunny. The roads were completely fine. I had an amazing time. And, you know, had I listened to them and canceled my trip, that would have really sucked. So, don't always listen to other people (laughs) okay yeah
0: i like that that's good advice um do you have any trips planned for the future
1: uh i was hoping to do alaska this summer i was actually going to go with winston and i'm going to take my triumph uh the bike that i took to the rockies last year okay um But that's still up in the air. I'm not sure, and I'm not sure what I'm going to do this fall. I have a few options, and options are great. Um, So I'm not sure. I might even just take my van. I have a Westafalia van. I might even just take that down to Mexico and check out for the next six months. (laughs) I'm, I'm so burnt out from all of my trips. I still haven't even properly gotten over South Africa yet and I've just been running burning myself out. But I have enough content to work on now for the next year if I wanted to take off. Okay. That's... But the the issue now is that I don't want to continue to travel having all of this content behind me. Like I wanna get it all up to date before I go traveling again.
0: Okay. I I, I understand that.
1: Yeah. It's just too much Mm-hmm. Excellent.
0: Um, and one last question before we go: sure. uh, If you had, if you could do one dream trip, what would your dream trip be? Just one? Just one? Just the the the, the biggest of them all?
1: Uh, well, I'd eventually like to get to every. Well, I won't be able to get to every country in the world, but I would definitely like to hit all five continents. But. Who knows, but it's good to dream big, right?
0: That's absolutely right. 100%. Hmm.
1: Um,
0: Okay. So can you tell the listeners where they can follow along on your adventures and your YouTube channel and everything?
1: Sure, you guys can follow me on Instagram uh, at sign Rosie R O S I E last name Gabriel G A B R I E L L E. You can also find me on YouTube at the same name Rosie Gabriel or my Facebook page Rosie Gabriel. Woo! <laughs>
0: <laughs> Excellent. Thank you for doing yeah. this, Rosie.
1: Yeah, no problem. Thank you so much for having me.
0: I'd like to thank my guest Rosie Gabrielle. remember to check out her YouTube channel Rosie Gabriel as well you can find her on Instagram at Rosie Gabrielle. Um, remember you can find us on the internet Facebook Instagram Twitter all at lost in transit PC feel free to shoot me an email at lost in transit at gmail.com I would love to hear what you think about the show If you have a moment, I'd love it if you could take a second to rate and review the show. I'd also really like to hear what you guys might think would make good topics of conversation on the show. Currently, I know I'm just kind of talking to people. And as much fun as it is for me to talk to these people, I'm interested to find out what it is you would like to hear about. Do you want to hear me talk to travelers about their travels? Do you want to hear me talk to people about how they pack? How they plan, where people are going, budgeting, you let me know. Lost in Transit PC at gmail.com, as well as if you have any ideas for guests who might be able to be on the show. Until next time, get lost.